In this episode of Life Beyond the Chariot, we are joined by Father Justin Braun, and we are talking about discipleship. What is that? How do we live that out? And really a call for parents and families. How can we live discipleship out in our homes for the greater glory of God? Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as His disciples. Welcome back to our Life Beyond the Chariot. I am your host, Mickey Seba, the catechetical specialist here at the St. Philip Institute, and my co-host. I'm Deanna Johnston, the director of Family Life. And a very dear friend and co-worker and amazing priest, Father Braun. Good to see you ladies. Oh, I'm so happy to have you back. I am experiencing so much joy right now. Um, before, So today we are going to talk about discipleship, yeah. um, especially what that means in the season of Easter, why it's a really good time to um, revisit or be acquainted with this term for the first time. So what is discipleship? We'll talk about some post-resurrection biblical accounts um, and how that can really reveal to us what our role is as disciples, what that means for discipleship in general, what it means for parents in the home, um, and any other, I guess, direction that the Holy Spirit leads us. So, But before we get started, would you lead us in prayer? I'd be glad to. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving Father, these days of Easter joy, as we cry out, Alleluia, Alleluia, continue to give us strength uh, that we hope that through our word and through our works, we will give glory and honor to your name and help build a kingdom here on earth that is preparing for the kingdom of heaven. We make all these prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, happy Easter. This is wonderful. I'm sure you are exhausted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think priests have a very busy Holy Week and Easter. Um, but thank you for taking the time to join Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Glad to be here. So what is what is discipleship? Like for our listeners who maybe haven't heard this term before mm-hmm. or don't really quite understand what it is, mm-hmm. how would you explain discipleship to our listeners? Break the word down really is what I always do. Is it's, it's about being students of the master uh, and it's having the discipline. To be a disciple means you have discipline. You have the disciplines of the master, really. Mm-hmm. That's that so easily because I did sports my whole life. I could always relate it to that. Like, in order to be a good baseball player, what did I have to do? I had to practice, 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 practice. I had to listen to my coach. I had to mimic the way he moved his body. I had to learn how to be more effective with my arm, with my legs, etc. All those things were done in imitation of a model of the you know Roger Clemens, Nolan Ryan, like these great pitchers. The, the, that's who I'm going to imitate so I can succeed. Well, what are disciples? They're 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 the ones who are imitating the Master, who is Jesus Christ. So, everybody who's baptized is a disciple. Objectively, that's who we are. Now, how we live it out, obviously, how we take on the discipline of being a student of the master, that's the messiness of life. Right? Um, No, I agree. And I think, because I think one of the things when we talk about um, discipleship, I love the fact that you use sports because you're not just thinking about baseball when you're on the field. 
I mean, that's, I guess, when it's the most intense and you're the most active, but you're also um, conditioning outside of the game time. You are paying attention to what you eat. You are learning the rules of the game. Um, I know as people get older, they're reviewing their past game to kind of see how they did. So it's something that permeates so much of your life. Yeah. And when we're talking about our faith and our baptism, the fact that we are called by name, we are marked as Christ's own children. Um, We are now called to be his disciples, his followers, his children. And everything about that, like we may get a heightened experience of that at Mass, obviously, um, reception of the Eucharist. Um, We're steeped in the sacredness when we are in a church. However, it doesn't end there. That's not the only time it should be on our minds. Um, It should permeate every part of our life. Yeah. Which is hard. Yeah. It's very hard because we, there are so many challenges and, um, and we could have a whole nother episode on the challenges of being a disciple of Christ. But one of the things that, um, that I've been reading in scripture and man, it has really hit hard in my heart. Like I've got to do a better job, not just in my own life, but knowing that there are people in my care. Mm-hmm. Um, like as a mom, it's my children. I'm sure as a priest, you have... <laughs> Hundreds, all those souls, yeah. All those souls. Um, but I was reading like Joshua and Judges, um, and even before that, and it's the story of the people of Israel and how much they struggled to be obedient to God, how much they struggled to live the way of life that God is calling them to. And um, one of the things, I want to read this real fast because I just thought it was um, it's something that I just feel the Holy Spirit put on my heart. And so... It's in the book of Joshua, and this is after, I mean, the Israelites have experienced so much of great works of God. And Joshua has just led the people into um, the promised land and taking the land for the people of Israel. And basically he's like asking them, this is at the very end, um, and he's saying, are you guys gonna be faithful? Like he's calling them. Are you guys going to live up to what God is asking of you? Um, even though they have fallen over and over again. And he even knew in his mind, they'll probably fall again because he says that in his speech. But he says, um, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him completely and sincerely. If it does not please you to serve the Lord, decide today whom you will serve. And then it ends, that um, verse ends with, And as for me and my household, we will serve the Mm -hmm. Lord. And I think that that's a really important question for us as baptized Christians, as Catholics. Like when we wake up in the morning, who am I deciding to serve mm-hmm. today? Um, I know a lot of people who have those signs, like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I even yeah. have one. <laughs> I was going to say, we're in Texas, like, games <laughs> decorate everybody's house. So that basically exists everywhere. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan. Right. But it should absolutely be more than just a centerpiece in our home, right? right? And so um, what I've been thinking about um, in this whole sort of season, um, the beginning of the season of Easter and this call to being disciples, like, are there other things that I have been putting first? Are Mm. there other ways that I am not fulfilling my calling Mm. as being a disciple, being called into communion with Jesus, which is a 
key thing, right? We are a part of his family now, but also growing in that relationship with Christ. And then he does commission us to be sent out. Right. Um, and that's part of the Great Commission, which we can talk about. Eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just encourage um, our listeners like to think about that question. Like, who are you choosing to serve? Like, we have to make a decision. And I, and tell me if you guys think I'm off key here. But I think sometimes we're just choosing not to make a decision, like, mm. or even claim like, this is who I'm deciding to serve today. Uh, whether is it my work, is it my family, mm-hmm. is it my um, ego, is it my pride, or am I choosing to serve the Lord? I think that question of discipleship within family life is particularly interesting because when you hear that, for me, when I hear the word discipleship, I tend to think outside of the home. And part of it's because we work in full-time ministry. And so I am trying to serve the people of the Diocese of Tyler and um, those that are entrusted to my care. But it is very easy to forget that my first mission territory is my family. Because when we go out or when we go out and we give talks or we're doing a specific type of ministry. It's like, oh yeah, I'm build, I'm helping to foster this culture of discipleship out there. But thinking of it within my own home and how I'm planting those seeds of discipleship within my children or how I'm um, responding to my vocation um, within the home itself, that can be more challenging because it's not as rewarding. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's a lot messier. Um, and it's, I think it's a lot easier for me to put myself first and not think about like, okay, well, what is God calling me to do right now? Because I think by default we seek comfort and, mm-hmm. and I just want my kids to obey. So, right. right. The, uh, you mentioned something, Mickey, that's, it's part of a big issue, but I think also Deanna may help with that is there, you mentioned the indecision, like mm-hmm. people don't like making decisions. They don't. I mean, <laughs> I I, if decisions. I ever have to figure out where I'm going to eat, the last thing I'm going to do is ask Mickey, where do you want to go eat? Uh, because I know my I'll, answer. I'll be there 30 minutes later still discussing yeah. something. And she ultimately is just going to say, whatever you want, Father. Mm-hmm. Right? So Surprise me. Uh, right, yeah. Uh, I'm sure your husband loves that, right? So that lack, though, that lack of just wanting to be a more decisive people is really a problem within the Christian life because – Instead of choosing to be more like Christ, which is what discipleship is, it's mm-hmm. becoming more and more like the one in whose image and likeness mm-hmm. we're created, we're, choo- we're, we're either deliberately choosing to go the other direction or go towards a different direction. But more often than not, unfortunately, it's just that we're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. We are truly just living for the comfort, mm-hmm. the least amount of resistance, the most mm-hmm. amount of pleasure. And where does that get us? Well, honestly, most of us, it gets us feeling guilty and, sh- and ashamed. Uh, and or sadly we feel literally nothing and so we're not motivated by anything anymore Um, and so we become indifferent and apathetic Uh, and discipleship is i always think about what does christ say he says i'd rather that you be you know hot or cold and not lukewarm cold disciples at least i know what's going on hot disciples i know it's gone it's lukewarm those are the ones that are hardest to reach because their hearts are not open and and within your homes as you're talking about like cultivating this discipleship in the home, it it takes the tremendous decision on a daily basis to, okay, I'm going to imitate Christ in my day-to-day interactions as much as I can. It doesn't mean I'm like constantly, what would Jesus do? It's like, no, you know who Christ is. You've read the Gospels. You're very familiar with, with the way Christians are called to live. 
So live it, you know, decide, make that deliberate decision of the will and imitate the one who is our master and our Mm -hmm. teacher. Um, And yeah, it may not be easy, but Jesus didn't say, hey, follow me. It's going to be fun. He said, deny yourself and take up your cross. You'll have eternal life. Mm -hmm. And you'll probably actually be a lot happier on this side of heaven, too, if you just do that. So I think discipleship is going to continue to run in the face of our current kind of popular culture because our popular culture really promotes this indecisiveness and this pleasure principle that, you know, ruins discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. You look like you're ready to talk about Bible stuff. Oh, man, I was going Bible crazy. Um, But I I do want to talk about one other thing before I mention this verse that um, I read in Judges. But uh, kind of what Deanna said, like sometimes when we hear the word discipleship, we think about missionary as far as like outside, you know, serving those outside. When we talk about a true disciple or when you're discipling somebody, we're talking about accompanying those people in their walk with Christ. Mm. And as parents, like if you're a parent, the best place for you to do that is in your home. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are liken discipleship to apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. And back in the time of Jesus, like if you were an apprentice, you went and you lived with the person that you were studying under to really learn the trade. Right. Your children are in your home. Right? All the time. Watching you. Yes. Oh, man, that's the scariest part. Like, sometimes I'm like, I'm sure I set a bad example in one way or another. They are. They watch you. And um, this is, but that is the most powerful place in your home for you to live out this mission of discipleship, Mm -hmm. um, to accompany your children in their call to be followers of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things that I was... Um, reading so in the book of Judges is right after you know they had um, so many great things have happened to Israel they were freed from slavery in Egypt even though they f- fell into idolatry like over and over again um, they were still in the promised land they still had their land um, that uh, was conquered by Joshua's leadership and even then it says um, in chapter 2 verse 10 it says But once of that generation um, were gathered to their fathers, a later generation arose that did not know the Lord or what he had done for Israel. And I just encourage people to sit with that. Like, as a generation, if we looked at the world and um, our peers and our children in general, are we in a generation that don't know the Lord? Um, or they don't know what he has done for them. And one of the things I started doing with my um, children recently, actually at the um, advice of Sister Josephine, who's been um, a wonderful guest on our podcast before, but um, trying to, to see help my children see where God has been active in their life is I'll ask them at the end of the day, where have you experienced God's presence? Mm. Um did you did you um, have an experience of God speaking to you? Where did you sense His love? And sometimes they, many times they can't give me an answer. And then I'm like, oh, I need I need to do right. better at helping them, right? And right. That, it's definitely a reflection on me as a mom. Like I feel like I'm doing all the right kind of like actions. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not all the right actions. There's definitely some that I can do better. But if I ask my kids, where have you experienced God today? If it's hard for them to come up with an answer, then something about 
how we do things at home has to change. And for me, that was a wake up call. And when I finally started asking my kids that, because they're old enough, I think, to give Mm -hmm. um, an answer. But to know that our children are learning from us. So if they can't recognize God's presence in their life, how are they ever going to learn to discern and to hear his voice Mm -hmm. and to answer um, their call as a disciple if they if they can't hear God's voice. Right. Yeah, they got to see it in their 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 normal day-to-day life and God moments, you know, that's I think a very popular way of phrasing it, but um, if your children never hear you talking about how God's changed your life, mm. God's not going to change their life. Mm. Now, he can and he will, but will they recognize it? Um, this is something I mean in seminary to, to be honest with you, I know mostly we're we're talking to family, but Y'all need to know kind of some inside baseball. You'd be surprised at how many guys don't talk about God moments in seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, it, it's because it's such an intellectual environment. It's in a very competitive, masculine, boy, it's a bunch of boys. You know, we're all, you know, trying to get the best grades, trying to be the best basketball player, whatever. Um, we forget that the whole reason we're there is Jesus, you know. And so <laughs> a lot of guys pray, don't get me wrong, It's but, it, but that ability to open up and talk about how God has made a direct impact on your personal life because discipleship is is the very root of the church's foundation it's not that the it's not that we had the best and the brightest we had Peter uh, <laughs> we didn't have like the megaphones of, of Twitter and YouTube we we had small gatherings of people where maybe maybe you could hear his voice from 25 to 50 feet away and that's it and yet they set the world on fire mm-hmm. and thousands converted. Mm-hmm. And this is all because they intimately knew what it meant to be disciples of our yeah. Lord. And they were ferociously going to share that because it was the greatest joy of their life. So, yeah, moms, dads got to have to kind of the wake up call. If all you do is passively participate in your kid's faith life, your mm-hmm. kids are going to become passive in their faith life. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Drop the kids off at CCD, drop the kids off at church while you go shop or whatever nope you're just teaching your kids to be consumers of of a thing just like anything else in the world so you look perplexed no no i was just thinking about um (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) i was just thinking about how um all all of this really seems to highlight that our baptism means something like when we talk about discipleship it's almost like we need to return to the roots of the importance of the fact that we we baptized our children, that we ourselves are are baptized. And so this invitation to live out discipleship within the home is like a return to living out our baptismal call and remembering that we've been marked for yeah. Christ, that we've been marked by that sign of grace, and that we're called to actually do something in response to it. I, mm-hmm. I feel like that's almost something that we're that we are kind of bad about going back to what you said about indecisiveness and and just kind of coasting, I think, <clears throat> right. um, with our faith. It's easy to do that. I think Father Bolin was on maybe two weeks ago mm-hmm. and talking about the inner monastery. Uh, I don't know if he's trademarked that. Father, it's all yours, man. <laughs> uh, but it's, it, I was listening to it, and, it, and he brought up the, a, a very good basic point that priests, I, I pray God, if you actually read the Second Vatican Council documents, there's a gold mine of good in there. Um, but the big one, you know, focusing on the universal called holiness, it's not like this was a new thing. It's right. literally every church through, or the church for the past 2,000 years. But I think the focus of seeing mission as 
add extra mm-hmm. and not seeing mission as identity. Mm-hmm. And where does that mission, the, the mission and the identity of the church is to spread the good news, mm-hmm. to bring, you know, to fulfill the Great Commission that comes upon the antecedent is what? Baptize all nations, yeah. teaching them all that I have commanded you. Yeah. So there is a sacramental reality to mm-hmm. this whole question of what does it mean to be a disciple? And and we can't ignore that, that being a disciple means you stay in the, you know, El Camino de Cristo, you stay in the way of Christ, which means you stay in union with the sacraments because that supernatural grace that we desperately need, you as parents, I think, constantly feel that like i need more grace i need more grace <laughs> all of it all, all of it of all it. the time right <laughs> and we need that shower of grace constantly yes. like and unfortunately you know half of catholics are doing it with their arms or their hands tied behind their back because they forget mm-hmm. to go to confession or they 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 kind of don't prioritize going to commu- going to mass regularly and so you look around and you say, well, the Christians aren't living their Christian life. Well, it's they're literally not drinking the water of Christianity. Mm-hmm. You know, They're not eating the food of Christianity. So mm-hmm. it's hard to make a good evaluation of, of their Christian living because they're not even doing the things that are so basic to their Christian right. life. Um, speaking of food, sorry. No, I love but talking about food. I know. Uh, <laughs> I like eating it, and especially when I don't have to cook it. But... Mickey, when you, you emailed us about kind of getting ready for this episode, you were talking about the post-communion or post-resurrection stories. And I preached in daily mass last week, and, and it was it, it's nine years a priest, so I'm used to this. I should be anyhow. But I was struck at how often Jesus just says, I'm hungry. <laughs> Do you have food? And it struck, I was preaching about it, but it struck me as like, there's a whole scientific side of this that's very fascinating to me, of course. But at a basic level, how do you do discipleship 99.9% of the time with your family? You're sitting around the table, yeah. right? Or you're in the kitchen preparing something, and your sweet children are like, Mom, I'm going to play mass with the goldfish crackers. And you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, but we tend to make discipleship and, and, and if the, the, the side of it that is more ad extra, that's really inviting people, we tend to overcomplicate it. Mm. We tend to make it a an event, a thing where, program. oh, I'm a program, right? And it's like, no, it's Taco Tuesdays because guess what? If you can't talk about Jesus while you're eating tacos, well, you're in trouble, right? <laughs> like, I mean, that's comfort food of comfort food. So, um, but what our Lord did that was very interesting in, in all the post-resurrection um, appearances he, yeah, he, he gets to the point where he's like, oh, do you have some food? Or they're like, hey, will you eat with us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but our Lord did intentionally talk about what had just happened. Mm-hmm. He explained the scriptures. It says that, I think, in three different post-resurrection. He explains the scriptures, Emmaus being the most famous of those. But he doesn't hesitate to talk about the reality of what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. So he, as always, is modeling to us what we're supposed to do. If we're disciples of the master, who is Jesus, the, te- the great teacher, well, then we don't have an excuse. People say, well, I'm never going to proselytize. It's not proselytizing. It's telling people the best news in the world. Mm-hmm. You would tell homeless people have a very good ability to tell people where to find food, and they are very willing to share it mm-hmm. because it's good news. Yeah. Well, this is the best news in the world. Christ died, Christ rose. Mm-hmm. Why, what are we afraid of? Yeah. You know, just, you know, 
have a taco and talk about Jesus. Yeah. And especially in our own homes. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's one of those things that no parents absolutely impose the good news on your children. <laughs> right. I mean, they Where else have, are they going to hear it? Exactly. Amen. They have to be exposed to it. Um, and not just expose it, they need to see that it has importance. But yes. like you're saying too, they also need to see how it has changed mm-hmm. you as a person. Um, because that's what Jesus does, mm-hmm. right? Um, Jesus calls us from our former way of life, right? Our, our life of sin and calls us into a life of holiness, into a life of the sacred. Um, and he's not happy with anything other than that. Does mm-hmm. that. I mean, he loves us, but he calls us to a life of um, of holiness because he knows that in that we will have the best relationship with him. And so why would we as parents settle for anything less for our kids? Right. Um, and it has got to be something that permeates on a relational level though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gotta be one of those things. And I, I think as someone who's been in catechesis for so long, I can fall into the, I don't know how you want to say it, but fall into the trap of just like talking about doctrine, you know, but if, but if they're not listening and I act out in a way where I'm just frustrated and angry, they're gonna be like, wow, mom's really angry talking about the love and the peace of Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and I know we're human and we're not perfect, but there is, there has to be this relational level. Like that's the difference between like just having a program and teaching doctrine and discipleship. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so important. It is about relationships. And Jesus invested um, his life into those 12, right? Lived with them, walked with them. Um, They saw how he acted when he wasn't on the mountain preaching, when no one was looking. Mm -hmm. And that is a terrifying thought as a parent. (laughs) I don't know if you feel the same way as a priest, but... Yeah, there's a sub. Certainly, oh, gosh, I think of my public, uh, the public personality side of this, and I'm like, gosh, I hope people don't really see what's going. Now, it's just <laughs> you're conscientious of, and I wear my cassock all the time. Like, it, unless I'm swinging a golf club or you know climbing a mountain, I, I really generally always in this thing. And um, in fact, yesterday, a guy in the store was like, "Hey, thanks for wearing your cassock," and I was like, "Okay, you're welcome. I, you're welcome. <laughs> Feels good." Uh, but the idea that. Yeah, you're going to be observed, uh, and that that observation. I was hanging out with the Johnsons last night, and Michael and I were talking about like the kids really they watch what you do so much more than they listen to what you say, mm-hmm. um, and so in that nonverbal way in which you're expressing doctrine that's related to scripture, like yeah, if they pick up that mom's face is really sad or sour when she's talking about the joys of living the NFP, <laughs> then there's like this whole thing going on. It's like, like wait, what? does she really mean what she's saying? <laughs> so I do think that there's something to, to be said about the relational aspect of it. And I didn't want to focus on this too much, but understanding that relating how Christ has impacted your life and showing that through the, the great narratives that are present in the Bible is absolutely what you should be doing mm-hmm. at home. Because again, your kids are going to go to CCD or faith formation or whatever it's called. They're going to get some of the doctrine, and parents need to. Parents are primary teachers. They've got to. Mm-hmm. They've got to help supplement that. But the categorical changes that children tend to go through are not experienced in the midst of a doctrinal revolution. They're mm-hmm. they're experienced in the midst of a personal revolution. Yeah. So they see that personal revolution as it occurred in their parents' life, or as you're sitting there reading chapter eight of Matthew's gospel some evening or watching like chosen or something, yeah. you know, doing things in the home 
that are surrounding the family with the environment of the master, of Christ, so that as disciples, it is not odd to be intentional about sharing the gospel mm-hmm. because it shouldn't be. It's a, I buried a friend last week, and one of our mutual friends came to me. She said, she was like, I had been to a Catholic funeral, but like, you really shared the gospel. It's like, what we do i was like isn't it sad that that's what we have to like she was like no because she she's a really sweet and wonderful woman but Mm -hmm. she's she's like i go to funerals all the time and it's just a it's a it's a eulogy about the person it's this person was a saint it's like well you do need to say nice things if they're true you shouldn't lie uh (laughs) but where else are we if we're not comfortable enough to present the gospel of jesus christ in a church at a funeral then where else are we going to be comfortable? Mm -hmm. So finding ways in which we become more and more comfortable with relating this great story of love that our Lord has for each of us as individuals is what it means, I think, to live live that discipleship. And and guess what? Your morals will change. Mm -hmm. Your attitude towards the hypostatic union will change (laughs) and all these things that kind of come with it. But if you don't fundamentally know that the story of Christ's love for you and how it's changed you, then your your children will, your husband will. He'll be like, does this does this relationship really make a difference to right. you, mm-hmm. or is it just a set of facts in your head that are kind of easy to disregard when you want to? Right. Yeah, the word that keeps coming to mind as we're talking about this is also mercy, and we just celebrated Divine mm-hmm. Mercy Sunday, but I think that should be a. Um, something that as parents that we really cling to and all this because we are going to mess up <laughs> we there are going to be days where we're not joyfully proclaiming the gospel within our homes <laughs> and um like fussing at our kids i've yeah speaking from personal experience <laughs> fussing at my children while we're trying to pray and thank the lord for <laughs> for the goodness of the day but also realizing that if we if we be- if what we believe is actually true and if we really believe in the mercy and love of Jesus Christ and we believe in the joy of the resurrection then we also know of the power of what Christ has done for us the powers of his forgiveness and being able to model for our children like i messed up and returning to the sacraments and and trying over and over again i guess like um yeah, acknowledging the mistake and um, picking up that cross and, and moving forward because it can be very easy to get stuck mm-hmm. um, in, well, I messed up and I'm bad and everyone's bad, but yeah. <laughs> but to, to cling to the hope of the resurrection, mm-hmm. um, to yeah. cling to the mercy of Christ uh, because that, I mean, that's that's how hearts are changed. So. Yeah, and one of the things, um, again, if, if you have not listened to the podcast with Father Bolin about the domestic monastery, um, absolutely give it a listen and there's something that he talked at the end at the end of that episode is really about guarding your your space and basically like Mm. guarding your home that sometimes Mm -hmm. our time with our kids are so Mm. short um especially if they spend so much time outside of the home like Mm -hmm. with school or sports or other things Mm -hmm. that that time that we are in our home i cannot urge parents enough to just look at your life and your home are there elements of your home that are dangerous to your kids. And by that, I mean like, what kind of entertainment do you allow into your homes? The music that your kids listen to, the um, how much time do you spend in relationship with them? Like those are things that we as parents, like guard that time in our mm-hmm. house. And um, 
there's so many changes, I think. I mean, even in my family that we've had to make or we have discerned, like, we need to make this change because is it really that important? Is us spending time in this way? Mm-hmm. Is it really building our relationship with each other? Mm-hmm. Um, and so to to take that call and that responsibility to guard this time with your kids and be intentional about living out this apprenticeship of discipling, um, of following Jesus, being a disciple of Christ, um, but really taking that call to guard that time with our family. Yes. Um, and this is one of the things that, that God even warned the Israelites about. He's like, hey, once these things start trickling into your community, he basically says, you will fall. You will forget that I am your God. You will forget what I have done for you. And sometimes when I look at the state of the world, I'm like, have we forgotten? Mm-hmm. Have families forgotten? Are people forgetting? And now this sort of like call to discipleship, this call to follow Christ in a radical way, like uncompromising. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just like, I gotta do this. There's nothing more important that I'm going to do. That's just it. <laughs> there really isn't. And yeah. I think uh, when you realize that in your life, and Deanna, when you realize that in your life, I think both of y'all had a somewhat high school and then the college experiences, and it's changed everything you've done since then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Maybe people who are listening haven't had that that sincere and deep encounter. I, I, I'll always argue you have the most sincere and deep encounter in the world when you consume Jesus in the Eucharist, mm-hmm. but you may not understand or imagine that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Christianity is being pushed into a much more, I think, first-century kind of mentality, which is not a bad thing, because guess what? The church exploded under that kind of faith. It grew by leaps and bounds amidst the greatest hostility the culture of the culture around them. So if, if what happens in the next few years is Christians take their life more seriously as Christians, praise be God. Amen. But the, the challenge is don't be afraid. Peace be with you. That's what Christ says when he shows up. Amen. in the, in the yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, I'm here, guys. <laughs> I just walked through the wall. Peace be with you. Now go. Yes. And that's what he told them to do. So Amen. I think we've got it in soon. But we do. Are you, in a th- are you going to read the Great Commission? Um, I was going to read before the Great Commission, but we can totally. Why you read the Great Commission? Okay. So the Great Commission, because um, we've referenced it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Um, the commissioning of the disciples. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had ordered them. When they saw him, they worshiped but they doubted. Then Jesus approached and said to them, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Amen. Amen. So to not forget that. Don't forget it. <laughs> last thing you said before we went back up. Pretty important. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I feel like we could have talked for another 30 minutes. 30 minutes. <laughs> but thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Yeah. Um, Lovely to see you all. Oh, it's been wonderful. Yeah. Father, will you give us your blessing? Be happy to. The Lord be with you. And with and your, your spirit. spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.